Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another bonus episode for the podcast from another world. Uh, hope you guys are really enjoying this series. Uh, you know, I always kind of do these little intros in the beginning, and I really do appreciate that everybody takes the time to listen to basically each podcast. You know, we've got both on the same feed, and I hope you guys do really enjoy the work and effort that Dave puts into doing all of these episodes. So um, I'm just going to try to make this really short and sweet. And hope you guys enjoy this episode on the Poseidon Adventure with a very special guest. So enjoy, guys. Anchorage from Polar Expedition 6. Anchorage from Polar Expedition 6. Can you hear me? Over. Welcome to another episode of The Podcast from Another World. I am your host, Phantom Dark Dave. I want to start off by thanking everyone who tuned in and checked out my last episode where Brian and I talked about the classic Vincent Price film, The Tingler. And I want to remind everybody that if you're a big Vincent Price fan, you can subscribe to this show and hear us celebrate his memory, his legacy, and his birthday every May of every year. Or as long as I podcast anyway. But hey, today we're going to change things up a little bit because though this particular film does have some horrifying moments, I consider it to be more of a disaster adventure type of movie. And joining me for this discussion, making his debut to this particular podcast, until I change the name again, he is the host of the Back in Time podcast. Please welcome Kyle. 
Dave, my man, I am happy to be here. I'm excited to talk some Poseidon adventure. And yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited. The podcast from another world, dude. I'm I'm here. I made it. You did make it. and I can't believe it. Every time I do a podcast, you will always be somewhere within the first, what, 10 or 15 episodes. Like, I have to get you on. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I look forward to whatever your next podcast is called. I can't wait to be <laughs> a first guest on it. Yeah, I, you know, I heard some good names. Like, uh, I forgot who it was. There was somebody out there that said the podcast from another room. <coughs> you. And um, yes. I, I don't know. That might be the next name. Podcast from the closet if they knew the truth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's great to have you on here, man, because it's funny how it always works out. When I go on your show, I always get to talk about a movie I love. But yet when you come on my show, it's almost like I'm doing it on purpose. I always seem to pull movies from your past that you have such a deep connection to. Yeah, it's it's really wild because, yeah, if we're going back to Dave's pop culture podcast, we did um, The Wizard of Oz, which, by the way, the Wizard of Oz Fest is back. Uh, I remember telling you how I grew up on that, and that's why it was such a big part of my life. They actually have reinvigorated uh, the the franchise for um, the summer long, whatever we want to call it. But I'm looking forward to it, and it, it should be really fun. But um, but yeah, that in March of the Wooden Soldiers, and now it's like Poseidon Adventure. I'm trying to think what else I have up my sleeve. I got a few, but I'll save them. We'll, we'll save that for another episode. Yeah, man, and we, we talked about you're the host of the Back in Time podcast. You know, I've been on your show, and I've done a few episodes I love. You know, you brought me on for Mighty Ducks Part 2, which I absolutely love. You brought me on for Sandlot, which I love. You brought me on for Halloween 2, which I absolutely love. And most recently, I got to do Final Destination with you guys. So just in case we have somebody that's new to the show, and maybe they just really like Poseidon Adventure, and so they're checking out this episode, tell them a little bit about your podcast and what you do. Yeah, so the Back in Time podcast is, is really just a way for my co-host and I, JD, who uh, met in college and became friends um, a long time ago, and we met over films and are just our love for them. It's just a way for us to stay connected, talk about some movies that we love and have fun and you know bring some great content. So if you like anything from the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, you know, we kind of cover all genres. We do a lot of top fives now. We do just a lot of our favorite movies growing up. And, yeah, we have a really good time doing it. So if you want to check us out, you can find us pretty much everywhere. But the main spot is always going to be Apple Podcast or uh, YouTube. And I got to tip my hat to you, man, because I know I've been a listener of your show for a very long time, but somehow it seems like you guys are always pulling out the stops and doing something new and taking the show to newer heights. I mean... It's amazing how it consistently keeps keeps getting better, and you're like, we're going to change what we're doing. I'm like, no, I love it the way it is. It's not broke. Don't fix it. And you're like, well, we have some ideas. And then I love your new ideas. Like, just when I thought that something was going to, like, turn me off of it or something, it ends up reeling me in more. Everything with just the way you guys dive into movies to the way that you guys just do your teasers and kind of get people prepped for the episode. Now you're doing a lot of top five countdowns, and the general conversations always make me laugh. It's really funny when you guys roast on me in my podcast so happy to hear it but uh and now you guys are invading the world of youtube and i'm just man i'm just happy for you guys and uh it's always good to be a part of the same network wow well thank you for that i um i don't know what to say i didn't realize we were doing such a good job at it but um yeah it's good to it's good to get some feedback like that and um it's always a little worrisome when you change 
the format of a show and you go from, okay, well, we don't record on Skype anymore. Like we're only doing Zoom and oh, by the way, we're doing video now. Like we just, we constantly are kind of changing things and yeah, it seems to have worked out so far, but yeah, I mean, who knows? There might be a day where we're like, ooh, did did we go wrong here? <laughs> but, no. I don't know. To quote a, a line from The Sandlot, you follow your heart, kid. You can never go wrong. Oh, that's perfect. Just a taste of what you guys do on your show, man. And JD is going to make an appearance on here, too, at some point. And they'll end up getting you guys both on here at some point as well. I'd just like to give you guys a little bit of break from each other so you can talk smack about each other. Because we know JD's not going to listen to the show anyway, so it's okay. He's an asshole, but... I love him, and uh, yeah. I, in all seriousness, he's been he's in the Chicagoland area. He's been like heavily quarantined. I mean, he looks like Sasquatch right now. And I've been trying to get him to make a trip out here to Indiana because we're basically like out of this thing at this point. Uh, in fact, I just got back from my son's baseball practice today, so it's like, whoa, we're actually outside talking to people and yeah. giving out fist bumps and like interacting. Like, what is this? So, um, yeah, I, I need to get him out here and, and do some podcasting face-to-face, and hopefully we can make that happen soon. If nothing else, you got to bring him out in October and have another of those killer Halloween live parties. Oh, that that's a thing. Like, I'll be I'll be there again this year for sure. I don't, I don't know what his wife made. It was some type of, like, spooky punch, but, like, I, I was, like, four cups deep, and I was really happy, but, like, when we hit record on the podcast, <laughs> I was just, like... I was so relaxed, I barely talked the entire time. And JD had the opposite effect because he was just like, shot, 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 shot. And I'm like, he would just like took over. And I'm like, dude, we need to do like a Freaky Friday podcast where you just host the entire thing and I play your role. And I'm just like snarky and pretentious. And Have yeah, we'll just flip them around. Tie a sweater around your neck and burp. <laughs> I actually, I don't know if you've seen it, but we recorded an episode, I think it was with Big Ben, and we were breaking down our CD collections, and I actually pulled out a sweater and put it around my neck, and he got (laughs) so mad. He was like, what what is that? I'm like, it's a sweater. He's like, that's not what I look like. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) so upset. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. Oh, man, I love it so much. All right. Well, let's uh, get into the reason we're here to quote you today. Let's take a deep dive, right, pun intended, into this well-loved film from 1972, The Poseidon Adventure. What is it, look at? I never saw anything like it. An enormous wall of water coming towards us. In the early morning hours of New Year's Eve, Gene Hackman, Ernest Borgnine, Red Buttons, Carol Lindley, Roddy McDowell, Stella Stevens, Shelley Winters, Jack Albertson, Pamela Sue Martin, Arthur O'Connell, Eric Shea, and Leslie Nielsen were aboard the SS Poseidon when it was hit by a 90-foot tidal wave. Oh, my God. And capsized. The Poseidon Adventure. The most exciting escape adventure of our time. Follow me! It took the lives of the 1,400 people on board and changed the lives of the few who would survive. Climbing to another deck will kill you all! And sitting on our butts is not going to Think you are God himself? That's the way out. 
15 Academy Award winners bring you Irwin Allen's production of The Poseidon Adventure, a Ronald Neen film coming from 20th Century Fox. All right, Kyle, I got to start off because you brought this movie to my attention. Give me all your past memories, first experiences. Where did you discover this film and what do you remember about your first time watching it? I believe I was about 10 years old. And my dad called me into the living room and said he had a movie that he wanted me to watch. And I sat down and I watched the Poseidon Adventure for the first time. And he must have made me watch it ten more times just over the years because it, it was a movie that we owned. And I just – I really liked it. I don't know what it is. You know, we, we had a boat growing up, so I kind of like being on the water. And, you know, the idea of like this big giant Poseidon ship being taken down. But, you know, they finally like they, – they actually somewhat make it out alive. And it's just no, – no spoilers. Whoops. Rewind that. Uh, but, you know, it, it I just really enjoyed it. I, I think as we talk more about it – I was thinking about this today I was, as I was watching this. I'm like, there's almost no special effects of any sort. It's a very simple story, and it focuses on character development and actors, not just being actors, but acting with every part of their face, their body. Like, I was just like, man, they you don't see this anymore in, in movies. You really do. It's a lost art, what these guys were doing on screen. And another thing that, just to capitalize on everything that you said i love the fact that we start out with such a large setting and a massive amount of folks and we dive down to like the tightest isolation with nine characters yeah yep and i i love what he does the uh director of this movie he he does a really great job of setting it up and then yeah like you said taking it into like very small confined spaces and then years later cameron would kind of do the same thing he's like hold my scuba deer uh and uh this is how we do it but i mean yeah this director kudos to him i don't know what else he did i'm gonna pull it up on imdb but i thought this was really well done well, while you do that, I'm going to go ahead and tell you something I learned about IMDb. I thought I would steal the synopsis to kind of get us started and tell the listeners what it's about. And I found the most generic synopsis, and it says, Nine people explore a cruise ship at sea in a manner that turns their whole lives upside down. In synopsis. <laughs> oh, wow. And, I mean, that's not necessarily wrong. But now, Kyle... I feel like you and I could dig a little deeper and get a little more into detail on what happens. I think we know how to do that. Let, let's give it a try. Before we do, real quick shout out to Jamie Ray, who was on the Capricorn One episode, because he told me, just like you, he loves this movie. So shout out to him. Shout out to Jamie. Fave Fives from Fans Podcast, same network. The movie's called The Poseidon Adventure because the name of the boat is the SS Poseidon. It's an ocean liner. And long story short, it's on its last run, right? It's slated for retirement, and it's going to Athens, which, okay, why not? We get to meet the captain of the ship, and Kyle, out of nowhere, like, who is the captain of this ship? You know, as I was re-watching it right away, I recognized the voice. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's Leslie Nielsen. Why did I not recognize that as a kid? And it, I love, we've done a couple of these movies now where he's popped up, and he's like a real straight edge, like straightforward character, and I'm like... I'm waiting for him to say something funny every single time. It's like when never does, seems to come. When does he become Mr. Magoo? You know. <laughs> <laughs> and we have to talk about our main character, Reverend Scott, who's played by Gene Hackman. 
it's crazy. He's a minister who believes that God only helps people who help themselves. That was an interesting take. Like, I, I mean, none of that, like, that went, like, right over my head as a kid. But, like, listening to it today when I rewatched it, I was like, man, kind of a rebel <laughs> uh, minister. And there's nobody else, in my opinion, that can play this role where, like, shit hits the fan and immediately they need a leader. And he's like, oh, don't worry, coach is here. And I'm going to direct everybody on what to do until we get out of this boat. Yeah, and I'll have to say that you told me to watch this movie because it's really good. And if I like it, let's do it on the podcast. I said, cool, no problem. So I bought the movie, and I think it was this year, maybe the beginning of the year, I watched it, and I was like, man, I love this movie. This is so cool. I had no idea what this movie is about, okay? And mm -hmm. uh, I, I usually steer clear from a lot of spoilers. And so I got to say, today I watched it for my second time right before we did this, and I already loved the movie, but I loved it even more on the second watch, and then that's when I really started to pick up on Gene's performance. He's so good. I would love to hear somebody do impersonations of Gene Hackman because I was trying to do some earlier today. And I was like, you can't replicate the tone in his voice when he's just yelling at people. He's like, Rogo, <laughs> like go up there. And he's just like, don't talk to me like that. He's like, you'll go up there. If I tell you, you're going to go up there. <laughs> and he's just I'm like, man, he's, that's why he was so great in Hoosiers because he's just a like, he's such a coach. Out there, that's what I think of when I watch Gene Hackman. That makes sense on the coach reference now. Mm -hmm. When are you going to do Hoosiers on your podcast? It'll happen. Okay. I love Hoosiers. One of my favorite movies. Okay. Yeah, I thought so, but where is it? <laughs> JD hates basketball, and he also knows nothing about basketball. So I got to get somebody on the podcast that can chip in on that one. There you go. Well. It's crazy because, yeah, I couldn't imagine a kid picking up on all the morals and everything. But you're right, man. He is a rebel priest. And it's he kind of explains that he's going to Africa because he was being punished for unorthodox views. Okay, so But he actually loves the idea because to him it's freedom. Right. Well, yeah, we get to meet Detective Lieutenant Rogo, if I'm saying that right. Rogo. Rogo, yeah. And uh, his wife, Linda, and... Right away, this was a standout for me because the character who plays Rogo, his name is Ernest, and I'm going to get his last name. It's Borgnine? Borgnine? Borgnine, yeah. And I love him because of a movie he did back in 1955 called Marty, which actually won either an, an Oscar or Academy Award uh, for Best Movie, yeah. and he's the title character, and he just plays... Just kind of a, a lonely mama's boy, middle-aged, always going to be alone. And he ends up meeting a girl who's equally awkward. And then they hit it off. And it's just like a sweet story. But it screams to me because I love Turner Classic movies. And so when I saw him in this, it's a polar opposite role. But it just proved that this guy's got acting chops. A hundred percent. And I love him for a completely different reason. And it's definitely not a Turner Classic movie. But he is Ted Denslow from Basketball. I thought so. The hot dog. Chokes on a hot dog. Right. Rest in peace. Don't we all? Hey, but, what? Um, okay. <laughs> but yeah, he he lived a long time too. Uh, that actor, so a um, lot of credits to his name. And yeah, I, I recognized him right away. I was like, "Is that Mr. Denslow from Basketball? Could it be?" He was a young, fresh pup in this movie, though. And we got to talk about his wife Linda in this, who's a former prostitute, and. They have such an interesting relationship because he truly cares for her 
as she is the only thing that he cares about in his entire life, because he is a total dick this entire movie to everyone. Uh, he's somebody who doesn't like to be bossed around, but he kind of gives in a little bit to his wife, who wastes no time on telling him what to do. Stella Stevens, she's great in this role. She doesn't take any crap from Rogo, which is what I love about her. She's a strong character. I did think she was very hot when I was a young kid watching this um, because she's uh, very scantily, scantily. Is that the right word? Yeah, scantily. Um, yeah. yeah, there we go. Yeah, she's she's wearing very little at times in this movie. And I was like, oh, she's a, just a really good looking girl. And then I looked at her resume and I was like, holy smokes. Like, she had 140 different movies. Yeah, she's been a good looking girl for a long time, apparently. Yeah, went from 1959 all the way to 2010. Wow with movies that's just impressive so yeah i thought she was great in this and yeah it was literally just heartbreaking when she mm. kicks the can exactly which we'll get to for sure because you know maybe something i should have said in the beginning is you know watch the movie before listening to this podcast because we do recommend it yeah but if you're anything like me sometimes it takes somebody uh or two people talking about it to really make you want to watch it and if we can do that for you today goal achieved yeah, absolutely. There's a couple of kids in this movie that actually aren't that annoying. In fact, uh, you have Susan and her younger brother, Robin, who anybody named Robin, that's a DC reference, I'm on board. But, uh, oh man, he cracks <laughs> me up because there's a scene in this movie where he tells his sister to just shove it. And I, it even caught me off guard. And she's like, "If don't you talk to me like that. And he's all like, shove it, shove it, shove it. I'm like, this kid is ruthless. <laughs> Yeah, he was he's freaking hilarious, but then he's so into the boats and he's like really knows a lot about it. So, yeah, he's a great little child actor here. I would love to know what he's up to these days because he was only in the business for about a decade. So, yeah, it would be interesting to see what he's been up to. I I would love to get him on the podcast and interview him about the Poseidon adventure. That would be awesome. And you can call it what you want about why his character's written, but I will tell you, without his character, this movie goes nowhere because, like you said, he has spent so much time on this boat talking to engineers and people who've shown him around the engine room that when it comes down to the nitty-gritty, he's actually the reason they... I mean, with Gene Hackman's help, he he's the reason they survive. Yeah, they know 100%. Where to go. Yeah, and then the uh, the sisters it does a great job as well, um, and she's got a couple really like touching moments as well with uh, Reverend Scott, and they kind of really develop a bond throughout the movie, which I thought was a really cool like underlying storyline for this movie. So it's like they almost like be- he almost became like a father figure to her on the way out of the boat, which is how do you do that in that short of time, like kudos again it's gene hackman right the best yeah and she like you said she's so attached to him because at some point she tells him that she's scared but she feels safe with him yep and then we're gonna meet another couple on the boat we have manny rosen and his wife bell rosen i'm already smiling because of manny i was so excited (laughs) watching this back i was like good old grandpa joe just doing his thing here and he's he's really like he's he's pretty funny throughout the movie. Like he's got a little like couple wisecracks, which is kind of what he is in uh, Willy Wonka as well. But a lot like his grandpa Joe character, he also has a lot of heart, and we see that towards the end. 
And yeah, I, I should we should not spoil that one because you should go watch this just to see what happens at the end of the movie here with his character and also um, suit that Susan, but uh, for Bell Rosen mm-hmm. as well because it's just. It's powerful stuff. It really is, and I even give her just as much kudos as him with the wisecracks, because them together are a dynamic duo, and I could just (laughs) hear things that... Like, I watch this movie with the closed captions, and of course the closed captions doesn't catch everything, but I have my headphones on and I'm listening, and I hear the jokes in the background that aren't being picked up, and I'm like, this is hilarious. Yeah. They do such a good job. Everybody. It's like just... It was a total like ensemble piece, and that that's what I was kind of talking about earlier. Is you you get that a little bit in movies today, but it's so tough when there's so much like CGI and green screen. And it's like they don't get a chance to like really dive into this and like feel like they're actually living in this environment. And I think that's what's really missing with filmmaking. You get like don't skimp on that stuff. Like it's not that hard to build a set. And make it look like a boat. Like you're, there's talented people in Hollywood that can do this stuff. I was gonna say if they were able to pull this off in the early '70s, what are we doing now? Right. You know. Yeah. Like, come on. It's all about making a buck, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, kidding. Something I didn't mention is, you know, Susan and Robin are on the boat because they're traveling to meet their parents, and then of course we have Mr. and Mrs. Rosen are on the boat because they're going to Israel to meet their young grandson for the first time. I love that part of the story that um bell and and manny are going to see the grandson and she's got like something hanging from her neck she's got something that she wants to give him and it's just like oh what a nice old lady we also have mr martin on here who is a love shy health conscious bachelor right according to wikipedia i'm reading it but uh he is one of my absolute favorite characters on here and i noticed they call him a haberdasher haberdasher and i had to look up what that was and it's funny because it's somebody that sells like linens cloth sewing buttons and i'm like wait he sells buttons and his real name is red buttons what? yeah you know you know that has to be a stage name red buttons like i, I want to know what his real name was but i had to look him up afterwards because i didn't recognize him from anything else but i mean he did have like a really long career too and yeah I, he's great in this his little you know, kind of like his, his love interest in um, the singer lady, and I'm forgetting her name off the top of my head. Was it like Nani? Nani, yeah, like Nani yeah. something, and then her brother dies early on. But um, yeah, gosh, spoiler with, heavy. Yeah, I'm telling with you, the hair, you know, like a lot of people die in this movie. It's oh, not and that, that great of a <laughs> and I, I don't want to sound like a bad person, but I think that's what really surprised me about this movie was you know i'm a turner classic movie guy so i am very used to the happy endings if not at least the not so damaged endings and i gotta say you lose like half of your cast in this movie and i thought especially for the time frame it was such a broad thing to do yeah i 100 percent agree and you know i think you'll relate to this because it's a movie that you know, we did in, in my archives over at Back in Time Pod, but one of the things I really love about The Devil's Rejects is it's not a happy ending movie. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people die that you're very invested in as characters. And, you know, not that this compares anything to uh, The Devil's Rejects, but it's, you know, it's similar in the way that, you know, you're like, I love this character. And they're like, oh, do you? Okay, he's going to die in a fire. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. And, um, 
another thing we want to talk about is the time frame of this movie because it takes place pretty much on New Year's Eve. And one thing I loved about it, which was a really nice surprise, is we got to talk about the kind of the whole setup for this. Like everybody's celebrating New Year's Eve. Like it's the turn of midnight and everybody's gathered in this big like ball dining room. And over in the corner is a giant Christmas tree. And that makes sense. Christmas was two weeks ago from, you know, New Year's Eve. And I'm thinking how cool it's still got that Christmas vibe. It's into the New Year's vibe. And I started wondering like, I can't remember the last time I celebrated New Year's like ever. I even think I'm asleep most times before midnight. I'm right there with you. <laughs> Is that the age? I, I honestly can't remember last time I was like, I got to go to a party tonight for New Year's Day or oh. New Year's Eve and today. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. I don't know if we're the old guys in the room or if that's maybe just something people less celebrate now. But even just watching it here, it just looks like a magical event, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And <laughs> I love that, you know, and he's a he's the minister here, but – Gene Hackman's character is just like he's like the life of the party at these. I feel like you know, he had like girls on each arm. I'm like Reverend, <laughs> well, yeah, Rebel Reverend. What are we doing here? Yeah, <laughs> he's taking them to Africa with them. <laughs> <laughs> but um, this is kind of when the movie takes a shift. And normally, I'm surprised when movies do this. But if you watch the time, like this movie goes from zero to a hundred, like all within the first 30 minutes of the movie. Like you get everything, like you get to meet all your characters, you get all the setup, and then all of a sudden, boom, this catastrophe happens. And what we're dealing with is there is an undersea earthquake and a tsunami comes and basically flips that boat over. Yeah, it does. And not only does it flip the boat over, but then the, the giant Christmas tree comes crashing down Probably one of my favorite lines of the movie here comes from Rogo as he very quietly, you got to pay attention to this, but mutters, holy fuck, it's heavy. (laughs) Indeed it is. That tree's got to be like two or three stories tall. So (laughs) I got to tell you, man, I mean, I, I know you're a big fan of Titanic, unless that's always an ongoing gag on your show, but I saw Titanic in theater and I know those special effects were mind blowing. I haven't watched it in a while to see how it holds up, but I know it's heavily CGI, but you know, this movie's all practical and there's a huge difference between these two movies. Cause like the Titanic, you know, it breaks and things are, this just turns over and it was so much more terrifying for me because I'm actually afraid of water. That's my number one fear. And just the idea of drowning or like that subtle death approaching and watching the room fill up with water, dude, I, it had me on the edge of my seat the whole time. Yeah, they like I said, it, it does a really good job of building momentum. And one of the things I read in, in some interesting facts about the movie is they did actually shoot in sequence. So and I think that's important when you do a movie like this that's like a disaster movie, just for the headspace of the actors, I would imagine a lot of them would probably be like, it doesn't matter. Like, it does matter a little bit when you're on stage and you're going through this together as a team and they're shooting it in sequence like that. I think it's just, uh, it's phenomenal. I, I would love to know, you know, where they shot this, if it was like one set piece and then they tore down and rebuilt, or is it just like, you know, did they shoot in like a giant warehouse and just, I, I would love to know more about the, just the, uh, sequencing and things like that. Well, you don't think they actually just capsized a boat? <laughs> <laughs> I am reading right now that they uh, that the pre capsized sequences were shot aboard the uh, Queen Mary. Mm. So that's kind of cool. That is cool. 
when this scene happens, we actually divide our crowd, and this is when we finally paste together kind of our nine main characters, because what, what you have is you have Gene Hackman, who plays Reverend Scott, and he, like Kyle said, he naturally becomes the leader, and he's trying to help everybody. But then you have people who work on the boat, you have pursers and everybody who are just being so arrogant, and they're basically saying, don't go that way, we're just going to wait here for help. And you know, everybody's heard that story, like, you never know what the right decision is. Do you go get help, or do you stay, and at the end, help shows up, and you should have stayed the whole time. But logically, when the boat turns upside down, you would want to go up. <laughs> right. Yeah, that that made the most sense. I, I'm actually, well, I'm not surprised because it's a movie, but like it would have seemed like more people would have tried to go with, and then maybe like half of them didn't make it, and things hit the fan beforehand. But I mean, he tr- they tried everything they could to get people to follow them, and just yeah, they they weren't gonna they weren't gonna leave. They were gonna sit there and wait it out, and it did not take long to find out that that was a really bad decision. And that scene alone is so moving because what they do, they use that two- or three-story Christmas tree as a ladder. Okay, they send up the kid first. He climbs it like a monkey, makes it up. They send up the sister. They send up an adult. Okay, the tree is stable for everybody. Now everybody's going up. And I got to say, they do something a couple times in here that it's kind of funny, but then you kind of wonder if it would work today. But Belle pretty much always is concerned about her weight you know she's like i can't climb fat people can't climb i can't fit through this tunnel fat people and i'm like you need to give yourself a break you know but (laughs) it's kind of funny because there's a scene where the revan just decides he's gonna go and push on her bottom and she's like oh what's going on down there (laughs) she sounds she's like i I just can't woo woo make it up he's like she's out that's right and then he's like i'm sorry i had to get so familiar with you she's like i guess you did what you had to do wait a minute do it again i mean the early 70s were such a different time because she's like let's be honest like she's not that overweight like she's like just a thick mom in today's world like people wouldn't bat an eye at it but then like 72 it was like this lady's gonna die any minute right right i mean clearly if you look at the whole cast she was the only hefty woman in here because they were trying to make that character like that but hey man she makes it all the way to the end of the boat pretty much and i just love getting to meet our characters individually and then bringing them together kind of like i wish the dc universe had done anyway and it's so cool to watch them bond together. You got the brother, you got the sister, you got the love interest, you got the bonded couple that's been together forever. You got, you know, we keep talking about Rogo and how he's a lot like Gene Hackman, where you can tell he's a stubborn leader as well, but there, and he's a cop, and now it's a cop and a reverend, both who dictate, right? And you could just see, like you said, the power that Gene brings to the scene. It just, it takes over, man. And you can tell it doesn't sit well at first because Rogo is not used to taking orders. Everything's his way or the highway. But man, once he starts to wise up and listen, they actually get through this boat. Yeah, they do. He's very stubborn. And I I love that he keeps, it seemed like every scene for about a half hour ended or began with him being like, why me? Yes. And couldn't you say, please, one time? If it gets you up the tree, then please. (laughs) But you know what? More than anything else, I see that as the highest compliment because you were his right-hand man. Like, together, you were the beginning and the end of the line, you know? Yep. 
And we talked about Robin, the little boy who kind of... I mentioned, like, he's the reason they survived. That's because his knowledge of the ship is basically... He tells them that they need to escape through the hole because the hole near the propeller shaft is only one inch thick versus who knows how else. Therefore, it can be cut through. And so... Luckily, Gene Hackman is a logical man. He's like, that makes the most sense. That's where we go. And we spend our... And this is almost a two-hour movie, so we spend the next hour and a half navigating through damn near saw traps, <laughs> for the most part, of getting from department to department. You get to one, it's blocked off. You get to one, you can't access it. I mean, we do it, Kyle. We got fire. We got flood. We got furniture crashing down. And I, correct me if I'm wrong, when that boat turned over, some of that stuff was mounted because there was a point when they were even hanging from, like... Uh, tables and stuff that never fell yeah 100 percent, dude and just watching the people fall like i even saw some person in the background like fall and crash through this giant like glass table the stuntmen luckily i read um all came out unscathed from this but yeah i mean it's pretty brutal watching them like just fall you know 15 20 feet it's like you never know what could happen on the way down oh man well, the whole deal is they're trying to get to that ship's hole, so they go have to go through like the engine room, you know, they climb ladders, they go through ventilation shafts, and every time this happens, we see that every place they just left is either catching on fire or is flooding. And so they're consistently reminded that they're short on time. And I think there's even a scene where it's mentioned that all of the lights are on but they're on some sort of backup system where they're going to turn off in three hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they do mention that the battery life is three hours, and then uh, Reverend's like, it better be. Yeah, at <laughs> least. We're going to need that time. And, um, yeah, I believe at some point Red Button's character says something, you know, as they're, like, going into this, like, tunnel area, and she's like, you going to be right behind me? He looks back and sees it's flooding. He's like, like a like he said something. It's like I can't remember what his little line is. Kind of it's escaping me now. But I was laughing about it earlier. He's basically like he's like shit on a stick. Right, I don't know. right. Well, something dude, along those another lines. Another character that we haven't even brought up yet. Acres. We got to talk about Acres. He's awesome. He's played Roddy McDowell. Acres. <laughs> Gene Hackman just yelling at him the whole movie. That's a cool name though. Acres. It, it, they really do have like it, it's almost like they almost all had nicknames at some point right. from Reverend Scott, like just Acres, Rogo, Robin. Like he doesn't call anybody really by their first name, <laughs> Mister Rosen. Yeah, it's kind of oh, it's interesting how he does that. But yeah, I mean, it feels like they've been you know maybe at sea for a while, so it would make sense that they had gotten to know each other quite a bit. And Acres, you know, he's one of the first ones because he doesn't actually come down into where the ship is flooded at first. He's already up on the next floor, and he helped assist them getting up. And correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if he's a cook or what he does, but he was up in the, like, linens area, you know. But he also yeah. he knows the ship as well. And so between Gene Hackman, Acres, and Rogo, they're able to get through a lot of the... It's hard to see the bottom of the ship, which is actually the top of the ship, but, you know, it's turned upside down. Um, that's flooding. And there's one scene we get to where – what do you remember what those things are called that they have to climb up the vertical 
I keep wanting to say a shaft, but I know there's a different name for yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know the name for it either. But you guys know, but if you yeah. look at a boat, you're going to see the three little you know, the smoke puffs out of it or whatever. Yep. Um, they're going to have to climb up one because the area is blocked. But by doing this, you know, there's a ladder inside. They're able to go up two more floors. All they got to do is climb the ladder. And Acres, you know, he's been through hell and high water with them, but he's injured. And so this is a point where we actually lose one of our first main characters. Yes. The first time I watched it, it didn't hit me as hard. It sucked because I liked the character, but his death just seemed like an off-screen death. But when I watched it this time, dude, it's so brutal because, you know, this boat consistently has explosions and shakes. So people, they're going to get caught off guard. And when he falls, he falls all the way down and he lands in depending how much water is actually at the bottom of this. But then instantly a whole bunch of more water comes rushing in to the point where it actually blows Rogo where he almost falls off a ladder and Rogo's a big dude and he's holding on. And so you can only think that that water pressure is like forcing uh, acres down to the ground, holding him under. And it's just a sad way to go. Yeah, it's the it's really the perfect death for him though because he did have a bad wheel already. So it's like, okay, let's put him in a situation he can't get out of. We're gonna <laughs> drown him basically. You know, guy can barely walk as it is. But yeah, tough tough go way to go for Acres, but um, yeah, somebody had to go first. I guess so. I wouldn't say it's a good way to go. <laughs> You're like he had a bad leg. He can drown. Like, wait, hold on. Why couldn't he just die in his sleep, dude? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he'll be all right. He went on to do some good stuff after this. He sure didn't did. hurt his career. That's no, that's true. <laughs> they um, they get through this uh, vertical shaft, and you know we lost acres, so now our group's dented a little bit. Like there's kind of like this realization factor setting in that any one of them can die. Like they're not a hundred percent safe with Gene Hackman. He's their best chance of survival, but every one of them is going to be responsible for their own life. And if they don't do what it takes, like any one of them could be next. And I, when I started watching this, I was beginning to wonder, I'm like, man, like nobody's safe. Like even the kids at some point could go. And so I, I'm always caught off when kids die in horror movies. Um, I know, like I said, this ain't a horror movie, but it's horrific to me, but just the way that they get you, invested and connected to these characters and then just rip them away from you just tugs at the heartstrings. I think that's why I, I connected with this movie so much is because they do such a good job of developing the characters and then they just start dropping and you're just like, no, not this one. No, not this one. And then we'll get to, you know, some of my favorite scenes later on here where um, Reverend kind of comes to grips with all the people that have died. Sure. Well, so just to piggyback off what you just said, man, like, no, not this one. No, like, that's where we're at right now, because this whole time they're trying to get to this engine room that is divided by a corridor and the corridor is now flooded. So they have yep. to swim to it. And so I'm thinking to myself, it was only a matter of time right before we got to a swimming creepy ass scene. And, <laughs> you know, they're talking to each other like, how long can, and this is terrifying, Kyle. I'm like, what do you mean? How long can I hold my breath? How far do I have to go? You know, they're <laughs> like, oh, it's like, I don't even know what he said. It's like 37 feet or he said something. No, cause that didn't even sound that far, but it's they're like, how do you know you were only in there for two <laughs> minutes? you like, you took, you took measurements when you were in there. Like, right. come on, man. Like, what if you turn right instead of left? Like you weren't in there long enough to draw a map. <laughs> call him like, Post Malone because he's doing circles, right? Oh, <laughs> but <laughs> that happened. But 
basically, you know, Gene Hackman's the man, right? He's going to go first. That's just the way it is. So he dives in and he's swimming because he has seen the engine room. But the corridor wasn't flooded before, so he believes he can navigate through it. So he takes a rope, and he's kind of tying a trail behind him, so that way everybody can just pull themselves along the rope, and they could go to the ending destination. But what happens is actually quite terrifying, is a part of the ship, like a broken door or a piece, just falls over, and it basically traps him face down and he's just down there running out of breath and they start <laughs> to realize that you're laughing they start to realize like uh he's not tugging on the rope and he's not back something's wrong and this is when we start to learn a little bit more about bell yeah bell in just a little context before reverend scott goes to to go down he's actually arguing with bell she's like no listen i was like all county swimmer this is what i'm good at and then manny's chiming he's like no you gotta let her do it this is she's good at this stuff and then you know ultimately he's like no i'm taking control and then he just dives down and then immediately gets caught and she just like puts her hair in a bun she's like see you later manny and he's like be safe and right into the water and yeah, she does such a great job. And I read that she had um, trained with an Olympic Olympic swimmer to get ready for this part. And um, yeah, she legitimately could swim. So yeah, I mean, it shows because she gets to him very quickly. And had she not gotten to him quickly, I don't think he would have made it because they still had a long way to go. Like she dove in and immediately I'm like, oh, there's Reverend Scott already right there. I thought the same like, thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, would you get 10 feet? Like cheese. It's extremely heart moving what happens because, like you said, she saves his life. And the two of them make it to the engine room. And this, I think, more than, well, I don't know, this happens a couple times, but this was the first time where I was completely blindsided by the direction the story takes because, correct me if I'm wrong, she has a heart attack. She does. Yeah, she clutches her chest and. She's just like, uh, just, and yeah, she does her best 70s act- actressing. And uh, I'm not going to post video, but your face was spot on to her. <laughs> it was so terrible. I've seen it so many times. Yeah, and then she just like falls back into the water, and then he pulls her back up. And then meanwhile, like the other people, they're waiting because they were told like, hey, I'm going to tug on the rope when I'm ready. No tug ever comes, and that's when um, uh, Rogo's just like, all right, I'm going. And then, of course, you know, uh, Linda wants to stop him. He's just like, damn it, woman. <laughs> I'll be like, back. <laughs> yeah, he's just, he just dives in and goes to save the day, and then, unfortunately, he pops up and goes to thank Belle for saving his life, and she's just sitting there um, looking a little blue. Yeah, a little, a little bit. bit. She's dead in the fucking door now. And one of the things that she got to do was give her necklace to the reverend and says to give it to her husband so he can give it to the grandson. And that's a real heartfelt moment. And, you know, this whole time we've talked about the acting that Gene Hackman does. Like, yeah, he shows that he's a true leader. He gets them from A to B. Like, he's a a force to be reckoned with. But it's at this point where I saw tears, I saw emotion, and I fucking felt sorry for the guy, man. Like, in his shoes, it was so dramatic. Yeah, because he knows in a matter of minutes he has to come to grips with telling Manny that his wife died saving his life. And he's a real proud guy, and he wanted to be the one that led them out of this thing and got them to safety. And 
he wasn't able to hold up his end of the bargain. So and th- this doesn't work if he isn't as hard on Rogo as he was early on yelling at him. He's like, damn it, I told you we're going to get these people out of here safe. And then when he fails at it, you're just like, oh, man. It's almost Drill Sergeant-esque yeah. to a point where tough love, right? So it just hit, gosh dang it, his voice. I know, man, I know. Um, you need to see if you can cameo. <laughs> Gene Hackman's still with us, right? I believe. Yeah, 90 years old. Yeah, he may not be on cameo, but yeah, that'd be cool. He doesn't do anything, but um, I did read he's like an avid Jaguars fan, so if you want to see Gene Hackman, you got to go to like a Jaguars practice. Oh, well. That's where you can see him. I love, I, I hope he gives like a preseason speech to those guys. Do you think we're going to have football this year? Yes. Good. Well, I mean, you guys can't, are opened up. They so. really can't afford not to. They will put football out there no matter what. Okay, cool. Just so. <laughs> everybody's going to have a mask on. <laughs> <laughs> they're, most of them already do, to be fair. so That's true. That yeah. is true. And they're all wearing gloves. So Hey, what's the problem? And I mean, <laughs> yeah, the audience is well right born six ball, feet away. Let's play. Put me in, coach. That's right. Let's oh, play Rudy. Hey. You know, I just found out <laughs> Vince Vaughn was in Rudy. Like, what? Yes, he's great in Rudy. Ah. <sighs> What one of my favorite quotes. We'll, we'll do Rudy at some point, but yeah, one of my favorite quotes. I said it all the time when I played football. Um, we're out here preparing for the next game, and this asshole thinks it's the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I used to say that to all the prep guys. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, they were like, "Yeah, dude, calm down." Yeah, Kyle was nice But yeah, I mean, um, to get back to this, so Manny is the next one that jumps in after Rogo. And that is a tough scene, too, where he pops up and sees his wife, and he just knows right away. Like, he just looks at Scott, and he's like, oh, no. She pushed herself too much. Because she talked about dying the entire movie. Right, yeah. And it's so crazy, because the whole time she's worried about things that she won't be able to do, and it's... (laughs) She was so close. Like, she did this. Yeah. And then the aftermath just took its toll on her, and... In this scene where I, I talked about the emotion from Gene Hackman's character, it tackles something you said early in this podcast where he's like, oh, God, not this woman. Why her? Not this woman. And I, I just felt it, man. I was like, right? You know? Yeah. She was like the sweetest person in this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it also, it just it shows that battle that he consistently has with God in the movie because He's always, like you said, a rebel against everything, and it seems like every little thing happens, he uses it as evidence that his way of life is better. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. After a little bit of time, they have to keep going, and so they're off to the propeller shaft room, and hey, guess what? More issues, and I mentioned fire quite a few times. This is when we actually get some explosions that um Kyle we're going to lose another character. We lose another one and now it's it's Linda and Rogo is just a mess. It's like everybody is starting to lose somebody that they really care about. Just one after another. And yeah, this one was tough as well. It was and it was horrifying because I I swear I paid attention the first time but maybe because I knew what the expectation was so I could focus more on detail this time around I'm watching Linda and as there's another explosion and the boat shifts you know they're they're climbing up this this railing 
and she lets go in you know accidentally it she loses her balance and she falls literally into a sea of fire yeah like what and then like you said rogo's a mess and he's screaming and crying and the camera pans down we see her body just laying there burning like what yeah like again 1971 or whatever to 72 i'm just like <laughs> i am astounded at how bold they are taking this mm-hmm Poor Linda. And she has, she easily has my favorite line in this entire movie. It's early on in the movie. I, I, I wanted to talk about early on, but they're about to go into this small area and she goes, I'm going to go next. So if old fat yes. ass gets stuck, I don't get stuck behind her. Yes. <laughs> and nobody says anything. Like, I'm then, they, like, then they pan right to Belle's face and she's just like, yeah, she's, like, she's, I'm not amused. Like, you know, God, Oh, oh gosh, man. but uh, and it's it's crazy because what this movie does is it gives you thirty minutes of preparation, and then we spend an hour together, and then we spend our th- last thirty minutes killing off people. You yep. know, like this isn't spread out through the movie. So whenever Bell died, I was heartbroken, and it was definitely unexpected. This was immediately after. Like, we cut to next scene, another death. Like, I couldn't believe they killed two people, like, all within 11 minutes. Very fast. Yes. And it's a long movie, too, so, like, it was planned this way. Like, they think they're going to get out. They're finally getting through all this stuff. Dead, dead, dead. Yes. And (laughs) they're so close. And that gets us to this part where, okay, Rogo is raging against Gene Hackman's character, basically saying, you did this, you know, God did this. It just, he's raging on him, man. Everything is his fault. And that's when this like huge amount of steam comes busting out and blocking this, what is it like a shaft or something they need to go through Yeah, or a valve. But Gene Hackman's character, he's so like revved up at this point. Like you mentioned earlier, how he's starting to really own to these deaths and you can see it in his decision here because he takes it upon himself. Dare I say self-sacrificial, right? He jumps up onto this valve and he's like holding his whole weight and he's just baby stepping his hands over and he's spinning this valve. And yeah, it takes like three minutes, but the fact that he does it and I'm thinking one, like that's hard as hell to do. But two, if that's hot steam, like his hands are burning. And so I was paying attention. You can see his hands are getting red. Like it's not dramatic, but they, you could tell it. And it may just be, I'm overlooking it and it's just like the pressure of him holding, but it looked like the steam was affecting him and he consistently spinning it and he manages to turn himself around and he locks eyes with all of our characters. And you think for a second, okay, surely not like this is our main guy. And then Kyle, he can't hold no more. Dude, he falls. He falls, but not before one last lesson to them. He's like, you guys get out of here. That's why we came here. Like, go. He's like just yelling at them. And then they're like, no, we're not going to. Like, you could tell they, they didn't say it, but they looked at him like, we're not going without you. And he's like, yeah. oh, yeah? Fuck. Yeah, yeah. And just drops. We'll see about that. Oh, man, it's so moving. And, again, he, he falls into a lake of fire. Like, it's, ah. I mean, it. I used to make this joke, but I'm seeing it on screen because people, hey, Dave, would you rather drown or burn? I'm like, well, I hate water, but burning sounds like it sucks. So what if the water's on fire? Like, that's the worst of both worlds, man. (laughs) You want to drown in boiling water? No, thanks. Yeah. Ah, that's terrible. No, that's not a way to go. 
Yeah, hopefully he went down and hit something immediately. It didn't suffer. Right. But, yeah, we don't know. We don't know, man. But what we do know is we're left with now just a small handful of characters, and Rogo, he's got to step up. You know, he's yep. in power now. He's going to lead them. And so the few of them do make it through, and they finally reach the ship's hull. And, of course, he's so Mr. Negative, right? He's like, just what I thought, dead end. And that's when the kid's like, no, if, remember I told you if you go through here, this is a spot that's only one inch thick. And he's like, so what are we supposed to do to get out? And that's yeah. whenever, at least Martin's character is like, wait, don't you hear something? And you're listening, and you kind of hear a faint noise, and they're like, wait a minute, somebody's up there, which means somebody's out there. And so they bang a little bit and stop and wait, and so they hear a little more banging, and eventually they start pounding on that roof heavily, which is essentially yeah. the bottom. And we realize, yes, everything has worked because there are people trying to get you out, and they're going to cut through the one-inch shaft. They have a really, I wouldn't say it's, it's not a strange moment, but there, there's a moment where there's nothing really said, but it's just the way that they look. And that's what I talked about early on. That's what's missing from actors today is they did a lot with saying nothing. And they just panned from person to person, and they were all coming to grips with the fact that the life that they had before is now completely different the minute that this hole opens up. Yeah, man. And they're all staring at this hole that's getting cut and like you said the camera goes to each one individually and you just get so much emotion from yeah i, I love the way you describe that basically all the thoughts going through their head of like no one's life's ever going to be the same i mean dare i say they're traumatized from this event but yeah it's just the fact that like he was right the whole time and that's that i think that's my favorite thing about rogo's character is he's just like that crazy son of a bitch was right you know and he finally crazy gives son of a bitch was right yep yep uh, i love it yeah it's a it's a it's a happy ending i kind of wish watching it back that there was like maybe 10 more minutes just to kind of let us know what happens with the characters i would have loved to have um seen uh manny reunite with the kids and like give them the the yeah. necklace from bell but it had already been two hours at this point and they shouldn't have cut out anything so it just is what it is but i love you saying that because i'm gonna tell you this um that is a consistent problem with old films if you look at yeah. any of these old movies some of them just in on a dime and i think we even talked about this on on something we've done before, one of the old movies where it's like, and end. And it's just like, ah, <laughs> you know? And yeah. Uh, hey, give it another decade. They probably would have done a montage ending, you know, where you could have saw everybody uh, have kind of their comeuppance. But that's mm -hmm. it, man. We have Rosen, we have, you know, Martin, we have Nani, we have Susan and Robin. And they pretty much, they get out through the propeller shaft tunnel and they get to aboard a helicopter. And, I also love this part because when they're getting in the helicopter, they all turn around and give it one last look. Did you notice yeah. that at the ship that's capsized? Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, man. I, can I just say that I'm very surprised that Nani made it out of this boat? No <laughs> I doubt. I thought for sure she was going to be one of the, the ones that died. Well, I mean, she couldn't swim. I know. Like, what? You mean to tell me you can't swim at all? <laughs> He's just like... <laughs> Dude, uh. like... Poor Martin. The, uh, the swimming champion died, but the girl who couldn't swim lived. Like, where's the irony here? Like, what's <laughs> happening? 
but I get it. I mean, she lived because this whole time she was suffering the loss of her brother. Uh, we didn't mention she's the singer in this band that was there, and her whole band died yeah. except her. And now she didn't want to live without her brother, but she actually paired up with Martin, who is the guy that's going to die alone. And it's really sweet to know that they found each other through this. And yeah. I would have loved that kind of ending, too, of, of showing them together in, in the future. That would have been cool. But mm -hmm. I'll take it because... They survived, and I'm left with a two-hour movie that gets better every time you watch it. Sure does. I read that it was the highest-grossing movie in U.S. and Canada the year that it came out, so it did really, really well. And I'm so bummed that the DVD that I bought a week and a half ago, knowing that it would be here in plenty of time, but the uh, eBay seller did not ship it out on time, uh, it's going to get here tomorrow. Okay. So it does me no good. But the reason I bought it was the special features because they had a uh, cast commentary. Oh, and I was looking forward to having all these little dimes to drop on you. And like, well, this is what this actress said. And this is what Gene Hackman says about the movie. And yes, it's, I will have to that's what I keep love that about you, to man. myself. Because I, I knew that right when you told me, you're like, yeah, I bought the DVD, but it's not here yet. I'm going to have to watch it on the computer. It's not the same. I immediately knew, oh, shit, no commentary. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love commentaries. I watched the commentary for um, Lost Boys and Goonies probably like forty times. Correct me like, if I'm I, wrong. Uh, just using my memory of your show, weren't you blown away by the commentary of planes, trains, and automobiles? I sure was. Yeah, there it is, memory. Yeah, uh, I'm with you, man. Uh, I actually watch commentary anytime I watch a Rob Zombie movie because I love to to dive into the mind of uh, Sir Robert Cummings when he's making a movie. Yeah, so. I haven't listened to it in a while, but I remember um, doing the commentary for House of a Thousand Corpses, and I was like, he's just got so much content on this DVD. Like, money worth it. I got my. He could have charged forty bucks for this thing. Well, he might listen to my show, so don't give him that idea. You know, we're just saying. I hope he does, Rob. Yeah. Let's be friends, please, yeah, dude. Straight up. So and then he hears that I hate his music. I'm sorry. Oof. Well, sorry. that's getting edited out. <laughs> <laughs> this music's awesome. But Kyle, seriously, man, I again, I, this is, I don't know how many times, what third or fourth time in a row, but I have to thank you for bringing a movie to my attention that I may have not watched sooner than later because these are always movies I've heard of, and they just, I just always need the motivation to watch something in particular. And though I don't normally gravitate towards adventure or disaster movies this is definitely one of the best Mm-hmm. yep i'm happy to have done it i was so excited when you're like dude i'm watching poseidon adventure i was like like reaching for my phone i'm like oh, yes yes <laughs> i'm like cheering on my couch and um i should not be that excited but i was and the only thing i can think of right now is i do have a movie in mind for the next one i don't know if you're a fan 1961 Mysterious Island. Never seen it. I guess here we oh, go again. Yes. <laughs> I'll write it down. Here you go. Here all. Here's the only thing you need to know. During the Civil War, a group of Union soldiers and two Confederates escape the stockade of a hot air balloon and end up on a strange Pacific island. Dude, anything has a hot air balloon, I'm in, first off. But, yes, let's yes. do it. <laughs> cool. We'll pencil it in. But, uh... I'm thankful to my dad. It's uh, actually a sequel to uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Oh, man. 
and, and that's huge because there's I got big plans for next year. Um, you know, I'm gonna get a little crazy with this year. I'm really gonna dive into horror the closer we get to Halloween, have a lot of fun, and I uh, kind of have some Christmas plans. But for 2021, I'm definitely going to dive more into some of these adventure uh, voyage type movies. Spoiler, and uh, yep. oh, that's all gonna fit perfect, man. So I'm sure between now and then we'll have plenty of more conversations, but. Tell everybody again, hey, man, if they want to follow you on Twitter, if they want to follow your podcast, where can they find it all? Yes. Well, first off, you know, thank you for having me on again. I always love coming on here and talking movies with you. So it's a it's a real joy. And I'm glad that we've been able to connect this way over the last uh, two plus years now. So it's been uh, it's been fun yeah. to have friends that live across the country that we've never seen each other in person. Right. So but if we did, yeah. I'd have to look up to you because you're really tall. <laughs> I'm not Big Ben tall, but I'm close. <laughs> a couple inches shorter. So, yeah, I you can listen to the Back in Time podcast pretty much anywhere. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, YouTube, all those places. Um, you can follow us on the web at Back in Time Pod, Twitter, Instagram. And then, of course, follow the SIP Network. There's a bunch of amazing podcasts on there. Uh, we are one of them. Uh, Dave is another one. Of course, Brian. Ryan Terrible Tear, which is his own personal little network. So it's like a network inside of a network. And yeah, it's just there's so many great podcasts on there. Um, you know, you've got The Angry Dad, you've got Paranormal Pativity, you've got Fave Five from Fans, you've got two other ones, and I'm drawing blanks. Dead Hand Radio from the Waste. Yes. Thank you for the help. Yeah. I was like quickly scrambling my brain trying to remember every one of them, and that doesn't mean I don't love those. It's podcasts. a big network, dude. It's okay. It's there's just too many, and we're well, we should add more. I think I feel hey. like this network should just keep expanding and finding new awesome podcasts to bring on. So um, we'll do this again, man, sometime soon. I know I know we'll have you on in October because. You're the horror guy. Come on. we got to have you on. I would be honored to join anytime. Just let me know. Can I do one thing because I know you hate it and JD loves doing it? Scream 2. Scream 2? i got to whisper it because he said you hate when you when he whispers. <laughs> so he always goes, Scream 2. Scream 2. It's coming to a podcast near you. And then 2021, we will complete the trilogy and Dave will be back. Or Mighty Ducks 3, all hail King Charlie. And I have so much to say about D3. I literally can't wait. that wraps up another episode of the podcast from another world you guys have no idea how hard it is for me to not be like dave's pop culture podcast fuck all right <laughs> but this is the podcast from another world and you know what you just heard you just heard kyle and myself throw down on the 1972 disaster film or was it 71 i don't know it was the poseidon adventure and you know because you just listened and you know what thank you thank you very much for listening now 
I know earlier Kyle talked about he was looking up who the director was, but we never heard what the outcome was. So I looked him up and I actually have never heard of this guy before. And so I was like, okay, I'll go ahead and I will dive into the laundry list of things he's done because he's a director, he's a writer, he's an actor, he's a producer. And I'm here to tell you, I have never seen anything else he's ever been in. So the Poseidon Adventure is the first thing I've seen on his list. And that sets a pretty high bar. So I'm excited. Now, looking at some of these movies here, there's one that really stands out to me from 1979. It's called Meteor. And I want to know if anybody has seen this movie. It says, The U.S. must join forces with the USSR in order to destroy a giant asteroid headed straight for Earth. It's got Sean Connery in it. Natalie Wood. Meh. Martin Landau. Holy moly. Henry Fonda. Tell me more. It looks like some dude named Michael Zaslow, but I bring him out because uh, in his IMDb photo, he's actually in a Star Trek original series shirt. So that's cool. <gasps> wow. Okay. I might have to check this out. Yeah. Sci-fi. I like it. <laughs> but yeah. Hey, I'm looking for some listener interaction. So if you guys heard this episode and you liked it, let me know. Let's go over there. Let's Let's rate, let's review, let's subscribe, let's do all that fun stuff that you know you don't want to do, but I really want you to do because it means a lot for the podcast. Brian works really hard, I work really hard, you work really hard listening, right? So we work really hard together. Let's get this mother lover started. <laughs> oh man, but seriously, hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I got another fun episode lined up for you because uh, we're getting away from these disaster films, uh, even though some people who have seen this next movie might call it a disaster because it is a filthy good time and i'm talking about the 2006 trauma film poltergeist now if you're a longtime listener of the terrible terror podcast i know what you're thinking that movie has already been covered on here and you are right if you go all the way back to like one of the early episodes of the Terrible Terror podcast, I think it was the first, no, it was definitely one of the first trauma films. He might have done one more, but I know he did Toxie after, if I'm not mistaken. But Brian loves Poltergeist, and back when Jen Dreadful and I used to do our traumatized episodes, Poltergeist won a poll. And so Jen and I have always owed you guys the Poltergeist episode. It's ironic that it falls on the Terrible Terror podcast now under the podcast from another world. But hey, it is what it is. And now Brian can sit back and listen to this episode that he doesn't have to record about a movie that he loves. And hopefully some trauma fans out there will come check out the podcast and they'll dig it. I love it. You'll love it too. I'm going to take this opportunity to plug and promote a few things. So if you hate that, you can just end the episode now. But if you love it, oh, there's more to come. Because it seems like the month of May, things were blowing up and I was just guesting everywhere. And I just had a lot of fun being a guest on all these other podcasts. And I want you, if you like hearing me here, go hear me over there. I mentioned I got to join Kyle and JD on the Back in Time podcast. Go check out that show. It's a great show, and they cover so many genres, so there's always something you'll like. But if you guys remember back in 2000, Final Destination, man, that'll be like a breath of fresh air taking you back to that time. So check out that Final Destination episode. It's really awesome, as well as the Fave Five from Fans podcast. What? Yeah, I'll set it again. Fave Five from Fans. You know that dude, Jamie Ray, that hosts that awesome show where he does those top five lists, unless there's fuzzy math. 
especially if I'm on there. <laughs> but Neil, you guys know Neil, Neil Frazier, the guy that does all the graphic art design, the guy that was on here for Grizzly. Well, he and I tag teamed. We went over there and we covered top five favorite unpopular 90s horror films. And so that was a lot of fun because there was little to no crossover. So if you're excited about hearing about 15 different horror movies from the 90s that are not Scream, not I Know What You Did Last Summer, not Disturbing Behavior, not Urban Legend. I'm talking about some straight-to-video stuff or some obscure release stuff. That's right. Stuff that most people hate that us horror fans love. Go check out that episode. That about wraps it up for here. Please subscribe to the podcast. Come find me on Twitter at Dave underscore Phantom and check out the SIP Network. We're the slightly irregular podcasts. That's what we do. So you guys keep tuned in to the Terrible Terror Podcast, and I'll see you in two weeks. listening to another episode of the podcast from another world don't forget to follow dave out there all on their social media uh well his he's not multiple people um uh, but dave underscore phantom out there on twitter and then the podcast from another world on instagram and dave's pop culture podcast channel out there on youtube don't forget about the sip network sipnet.us uh, featuring such podcasts as Kyle from the Back in Time podcast, uh, you know, they're out there, Angry Dad podcast, Big Brother Ben, Pat doing Paranormal Pativity, uh, Evan doing From the Wastes, Aaron doing Deadhead Radio, and Jamie doing Five Fave from Fans, as well as Dave and I with the podcast from Another World and the Terrible Terror podcast. So make sure that you give all those podcasts a listen if you haven't already. Everybody's kind of been going in between. We've been featuring each other on each other's shows, so you'll hear more from us in the future. And as always, guys, please be safe, be careful, and we'll see you next time on an episode of either the podcast from another world or the Terrible Terror podcast. Take care. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.